and welcome to episode 20 of The Jared White Show, recorded December 18th, 2018. I'm your host, Jared White, and I invite you to join me in celebrating the last episode of the year. That's right, folks. When you hear my voice again after this episode, it will be 2019. And let me just tell you, I, I'm I'm just ready to skip over 2019 and head right to 2020 because I can't wait to hear everybody making jokes about hindsight is 2020. <laughs> Get it? Hindsight is 20. Anyway, so I don't know if you can make any jokes about 2019. But uh, anyway, if we do have to, to suffer through it before we finally get to 2020, uh, I hope it's a good year. Uh, and in fact, here is to an awesome second year of the Jared White Show. That's right. I started the show this year back in May. And so as we head into 2019, we'll be entering into the second year of the show uh, it'll be uh, the one year anniversary, I guess, in, in May 2019. Yeah, it's it's been great. It's been, it's been the best podcasting experience I've had so far in my lengthy but extremely haphazard career as a podcaster. <laughs> uh, I've started several shows and gotten a few episodes in and then it fizzled out. Uh, so I feel like this is the first show that's had real staying power and if anything, I want to put even more muscle into getting episodes out and getting cool content out on the show in 2019. So thanks for being a listener. Thanks for supporting the show. Oh, and I should mention one other thing. Uh, I, I did talk about this a bit when I started the show that I was going to launch a Patreon. And that is definitely on track in 2019. Uh, earlier rather than later, I will be launching a Patreon for the show. So if you really want to support it financially and help the show grow, help me get some cool guests on the show and other sorts of endeavors related to the Jared White show, um, I, I look forward to being able to, to have that Patreon campaign ready for you guys to, to sign up for and, and support the show. All right. So since we're coming up to the end of the year, I thought I should mention briefly that I don't ever do New Year's resolutions. I don't. I every, I know everybody's talking about it now. Uh, what's your New Year's resolution? What are you going to do in the new year? And I don't, I don't do New Year's resolutions. Now, what I do instead of New Year's resolutions is I think of a list of habits that I want to cultivate. Uh, and this worked particularly well at the beginning of this year. I had a whole list of habits I wanted to focus on for the year. Uh, writing was one of them. And I like to write this out as an I am statement. So for 2018, I am writing. For 2018, I am traveling. So those are things that I picked at the beginning of the year as habits, things to to sort of orient your your schedule around. Uh, and that's worked really well for me. And so this coming year, uh, I, I'm pretty much just going to do what I've been doing, uh, status quo. I've, I've been really happy with how this year has gone in terms of what I've focused on and what I've been able to achieve. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's actually kind of weird. This is the first year where I feel like I, I don't really want to tweak or change much of anything. I want to just keep going the way I've been going. So it's a good feeling. It's it's weird, but it's good. Uh, I do have a bucket list for 2019. So that's more of a 
you know, grand pie in the sky ideas of fun things to do. Um, I guess somebody out there might say that is a new year's resolution, but I think of it more as a, Hey, here's some really cool things I hope I get to do in 2019. And if I don't get to do all of them in 2019, and then some of them happen a year or two later, it's totally fine. Uh, So for example, I really want to go on a road trip up into Idaho and through Montana. I know my wife's really excited about this as well, because she's been wanting to see Montana for a while. And we have some friends in Idaho, so I'm thinking we can plan a trip to, to visit our friends in Idaho and then push on to Montana and check that out. Anyway, uh, I encourage you, if you are thinking of what you want to do in the coming year, what you want to focus on, I encourage you, rather than trying to come up with New Year's resolutions, uh, instead come up with a short list of habits that you would like to form and you know, throw a few pie-in-the-sky bucket list items in there as well, if you wish. Because I just think, you know, if you have a goal, like say, I'm going to lose 25 pounds this year, I just don't think that's very helpful because you're focusing on the wrong thing. You shouldn't be focusing on what will happen after you've been doing something because you have to do something in order to lose 25 pounds. So instead of focusing on this thing that will happen after you've done something, focus on what it is you'll be doing. So if instead you write down that I will have a habit of visiting the gym twice a week or whatever, or just weekly gym uh, attendance. That's all you need. That's all you need. Weekly gym attendance. There you go. Make it a habit. Make it a habit to go to the gym. And guess what? If you lose 25 pounds because you've been going to the gym regularly, that's wonderful. If you lose only 10 pounds, that's fine. The point is that you've formed a habit and you're focusing on that habit. And the goal will, in many respects, just play itself out naturally. All right, enough of my pontificating. It's on to the link segment of the show. And we have some some interesting, some wild, some otherworldly, magical things to discuss today. Uh, first off, the future of the deep fake and what it means for fact checkers. So this is a really cool article that I came across on Pointer. Uh, pointer with a Y. It's a it's a really good publication that's about journalism, kind of for journalists, about journalists, by journalists. And as a as someone who wishes in a in an alternate life, I were a journalist. Uh, I I really like keeping up on on the topics that they cover. Uh, and so deep fakes. This is interesting because uh, we're basically getting to the point. We're pretty much at the point now where uh, with a little technical know-how and some really advanced AI kind of software with neural nets and machine learning and all that kind of stuff, uh, you can simulate videos and even audio of people doing whatever you want them to do. And so, you know, the, the ramifications of this, of course, are enormous. You can simulate Obama saying something, Donald Trump saying something, some other public figure uh, you, the people have have taken you know celebrity faces and convincingly put them together with other people's bodies to make very disturbing deep fake porn videos. Not good. Um, so we're we're now in the era where, in a sense, you can't trust anything you see on the internet. I mean, before the the <laughs> the rule of thumb was you know don't believe what you read on the internet. 
But now it's not just don't believe what you read on the internet. It's don't believe what you watch on the internet. You could watch a video and think you're seeing, you know, President Trump declaring something controversial, and you have no idea if that's something he actually said or something that somebody's made a deep fake about. So that that's of course a major problem, but it it's it's less of a problem for us in the sense that if you just kind of assume everything is not necessarily accurate, uh, you can then, you know, ha- have the posture where if something really seems outlandish, you can start doing some research. Um, but the, the, the hard thing is, in, or- in order to do that research, you have to start reading people's you know, opinions about what is true and what's not true. And that means you need fact checkers. You need people whose, whose job it is to discern if an item is true or false, if an item is real or fake. Uh, and so that that creates a huge burden on the community of fact checkers out there, because the more fake stuff there is out there, the harder it is to keep on top of it all. And so then the folks like us who are just trying to figure out if something's true or not, it's like, oh, I'll just go over here to this site where they tell me if this is real or fake. Uh, it's going to be harder and harder for that community of fact checkers to to keep on top of everything and to you know really be able to to piece out what what is real or not. So this pointer article is interesting because it talks about all those issues, uh, and you know I, I think I think perhaps we're entering into an era where uh, instead of simply thinking of of news of journalism as reporting facts or reporting analysis of facts. It's really going to be more about reporting the realness of facts or of analysis. <laughs> so we need people to actually tell us if something is actually real or not. Um, so that's going to be interesting. It's going to be it's going to be quite fascinating to see how that plays out over the next few years. And speaking of what's real and what's fake, what's true and what's outlandish. Doctor Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts. Yes, he is returning. He is returning in a sequel. I'm so excited about this. Scott Derrickson will be returning to direct the sequel to Doctor Strange. I can't even begin to tell you how much I love the movie Doctor Strange. In fact, when I've heard from a few folks here and there that that the movie didn't really grip them, it wasn't their favorite Marvel movie, I'm just kind of like, what? What? <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange is possibly my favorite Marvel movie of all time. It's hard to say. I really loved Civil War as well. Captain America Civil War. Uh, that's also one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, it's tough. I mean, I, I really like the Ant-Man movies. Those are really cool. Um, I loved the most recent Thor movie. Thor Ragnarok was tremendous. Um, but really, it, it's it's hard for me. It's hard for me to place any Marvel movie above Doctor Strange in a whatever top five list of my favorite Marvel movies. I just love Doctor Strange so much. I love the character. I love the the milieu. I love the visuals of the movie. I, I loved the soundtrack, the the Doctor Strange theme. I loved. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. I thought that casting was absolutely just brilliant. It's funny, this this is kind of an inherited <laughs> appreciation in a way because uh, my father 
was really into the Marvel comics when he was a kid. And uh, Doctor Strange was one of his favorite characters of Marvel. And so I kind of grew up hearing about Doctor Strange and, and basically wishing I could see Doctor Strange on screen because I myself never got into comics as a reader. I, I appreciate comics as an art form, of course, but I'm not really a reader of comics, but I love I love all the movie and TV adaptations. Um, so anyways, I was waiting for Doctor Strange to be made into an awesome movie for for many years. So when it finally happened, I was like, yes, finally. And uh, it did not disappoint. So I'm very excited about the sequel. I can't wait to see that. And uh, let's see, what's next? Oh, yeah, here's a good article from Inc.com about the failures of the open office and collaboration first movement to actually achieve what they want to achieve. In fact, this sort of collaboration mindset actually ends up creating mediocrity, not excellence in organizations. I won't dwell on this too much because I know it's a bit academic for a lot of you folks out there, but uh, if you're in any sort of uh, tech or startup scene, and especially anywhere near Silicon Valley, you know that cubicles are out, open offices are in, everybody's just supposed to be in these huge open workspaces where there's just desks and pods and little tables and nooks and whatever, and you're just supposed to take your laptop and grab a nook or a desk or whatever and just kind of do stuff. And everyone's walking around, everyone's chit-chatting, and everyone's collaborating and interacting with each other, and it's all wonderful. Except it's not. It's actually terrible. (laughs) I honestly cannot even begin to fathom how anyone can get any work done If they're just in a workspace where everyone can just walk around and chit chat and, oh, hey, buddy, I had a question about whatever and what you working on there. And like that just it it just fries my brain to even think about how how people can put up with that. Uh, So I've been hugely critical of the open office movement for years, and it warms my heart to find out that. Well, there are lots of other critics out there of open offices as well, and more and more they have science to back them up. They have data, they have studies that show that open offices are not helpful. Not only are they not helpful for actually being able to focus and get your work done, they're not even helpful for increasing collaboration. It actually increases the a sort of mediocrity status quo where uh, the people that are really trying to get high-performance work done are just increasingly frustrated and don't even like working there. Uh, So, you know, way to go, folks. (laughs) You're driving away your best workers. Uh, Not a good state of affairs. So I I really hope more and more companies rethink the whole open office thing. You know, I think it's fine to have open areas where people can, can mingle, you know, at certain times, but... Honestly, like for people to get work done, they need privacy, they need quiet, they need to focus on what they're doing. This is why I work in in my own private office or home office. If I do go out to work at a coffee shop or whatever, you know, I, I probably have headphones on and nobody there knows me, so nobody's trying to talk to me. So even though I'm in an open environment, I'm not in a in an environment where I'm being interacted with by anybody. So I can really just focus on what I'm doing. Uh, It's so much better. So yay for people 
that are questioning the whole open office movement. I hope that creates a trend in a new direction. Next up, a pair of articles here about Facebook, about Google+. And the takeaway is social networks are inherently insecure, buggy. You shouldn't trust them. That's it. The end. <laughs> no, seriously, like these two different articles, like just happening at the same time. It's just mind boggling to me. Basically, yet another mess at Facebook. Uh, Bug allowed millions of photos, some private, some that people didn't even intend to post in the first place because they selected a photo and started to post and maybe got interrupted and then they thought it was canceled. Uh, anyway, uh, all these photos got leaked out because of a bug on Facebook. And there's questions of if they disclosed this soon enough, uh, how they handled it. Uh, I don't, I don't, I just, I can't even, I, I don't even care at this point. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I'm not really using Facebook. The point is that, you know, it, just don't post anything on Facebook if you don't want to go to the entire world. It's as simple as that. If you want something to go out to the entire internet, if you want everyone in the world to know what you're doing or what your photo is, you know, fine. So post it, you know, but otherwise just don't. Please don't. Same thing with Google+. Google+, Plus has been riddled with security problems Google already was planning to shut it down because it's just not getting enough use, but now they're going to shut it down even earlier than they announced previously because of yet another security problem. Uh, so, you know, just don't trust these commercial social networks. Don't trust them. It, it's just, it's just gotten ridiculous. <laughs> uh, you know, if you use something like Instagram or YouTube, you know, the point of that is to post something to the public. You know, generally speaking, you're posting something you want everyone to see. You're trying to get shared as widely as possible. So it's not really a security issue there, you know, unless you're posting things that you really shouldn't be that that should be private. So, you know, I, I kind of scratch my head sometimes when I see people posting things on Instagram or making vlogs on YouTube where, you know, you see their their two-year-old walking around in diapers in their house and you can see where they're living. And it's like, uh, okay, <laughs> if you don't mind stalkers, just like figuring it all out from watching your videos. Uh, okay, go for it. But you know, basically my, my opinion is anything I'm posting on YouTube, anything I'm posting on Instagram, uh, I don't use Facebook itself. Um, you know, anything I'm posting, I'm intending for public consumption, you know, as a content creator, I'm trying to create something that's in intended for a mass audience. And so that's all I'm doing. If I want to post something private, you know, I'm just going to use an encrypted messaging service with a few people. You know, I use pretty much iMessage from Apple. It's a good one because it's encrypted. It really is secure. Um, you know, someone would have to have direct access to my phone in order to get a hold of my iMessages. So, you know, it's it's about as secure as it's going to get. It's not a social network. So, you know, it isn't like all of a sudden, you know, some some engineered Apple's going to miss a bug and like, oh, this iMessage was supposed to be private, but instead it was public and some developer got a hold of it. It's like, no, that that's not possible. <laughs> it's it, the, the design of the system makes that basically impossible because there is no public version of an iMessage. Everything is end-to-end -end encrypted. So, you know, even if someone literally got a hold of the data in transit, 
Uh, it's just a bunch of junk data they don't have any ability to to open or or analyze because they don't have the encryption keys. So, or I should say decryption keys. Anyway, apologies for the rant, but I just can't stress this enough. If you post something online on a social network, just assume it's going out to the entire internet and everyone's going to know about it and everyone's going to see it. And that's just how it is these days. There, there just is not an expectation of security and privacy on social networks. Sorry to say, you know, maybe someday in the future, some, some new technology will come out that will sort of allow an inherent level of security where you can share things with a small group of friends and it really just goes to those people and there's no way it's going to leak out to anybody else. But uh, right now, I just I don't see that being possible. Well, I don't want to leave you on a downer. So here's something cool. This is a new segment I'm calling Creator of the Week. And on today's Creator of the Week segment, I'd like to tell you about Nathan Contney. Nathan has a YouTube channel all about Chicago, about business, marketing, parenting, and just life in general. Uh, he's a great guy. I've been following his YouTube channel for quite a while. Uh, I found out about that because I knew him as the CEO of High Rise, which is a, a really nice little customer relations management tool for small businesses. Um, he doesn't do that anymore. He's doing more uh, more traditional developer sort of things. He has a, a video app he's trying to get out on the App Store to help people make vlogs on YouTube, which is interesting. I look forward to trying that out. Um, but basically, I just I just follow his YouTube channel because I like him. He, he he's a he's a personality that uh, appeals to me. You know, kind of geeky, but you know, endlessly curious, always trying to 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 learn something interesting, something new about uh, all those things I just mentioned. Um, I like the fact that you get to see little bits of Chicago. It's a city I really want to visit soon. Uh, so it's fun to to see him sort of bopping around there and and uh, yeah he he actually does sometimes uh, feature his family in his videos which uh, I don't know I'm I'm always nervous about YouTube and and having little kids uh, in in vlogs on YouTube but uh, you know if 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 he doesn't mind that's that's his business but anyway I recommend this channel uh, so I'll have a link there in the show notes. Uh, so that's our creator of the week, Nathan Contney. I hope you enjoy it as much as I have. All right, folks, this is the end of the show. The end of episode 20, the Jared White show it is the end of 2018. When you hear my voice again, when you hear my intro, when you return to the Jared White show for another episode, it will be a new year, 2019. I hope you have a wonderful holiday and I'll see you then. All right. Bye. Jared White Show. Jared White Show. He is so cool and he's also my daddy. Jared White Show. Jerry Rachel.